Oh, bless the Lord. Assalamu alaikum. So I've been thinking about last week's message on uh, preparation for Easter and all of the interactions that took place at the tomb on that first Easter Sunday morning. And the thought came to me as I was rereading the scriptures in John that the disciples really didn't have a clue. I mean, there was no way that they were prepared for that first Easter Sunday morning. That's not to say that they had not been informed about what to expect, because they had been, and more than once. Here are a couple of instances just from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 17, 22. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised up on the third day. And it says, and they were greatly distressed. Matthew 20, 18, Jesus says, See, we're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. I mean, there it is with great detail. And if you search it out, you'll see that over his three and a half years with the disciples, he was consistently informing them and teaching them, even by referencing scriptures from the Old Testament law and the prophets, concerning the fact that he must be crucified, he must die, but on the third day he would rise from the dead. And yet when the first Easter Sunday morning came, They looked into the empty tomb, and later in the day, when the first reports of, we have seen the Lord, he is risen, the scriptures say they doubted. And isn't it just amazing that we can hear a teaching, read a book, watch a video, quote the right scripture, memorize all the verses, and still when it comes down to the rubber meeting the road, we find ourselves skidding down the slippery slope of lack of understanding for the application of the very truths that we can so glibly quote as our belief. Why is that? You know, quite frankly, the disciples had so much instruction and had been so well informed by Jesus concerning his death and his being raised from the dead three days after he was buried that all of them should have been at the tomb waiting for him to emerge. Yep, half hour to sunrise. Let's head for the tomb. Hey, bring a lunch. I know he's going to be hungry when he comes out, right? I mean, seriously. They should have known. They should have been anticipating. Matthew 26, 2 You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified right up to two days before. Matthew 12, 40. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. They had the information. 
And it seems like the closer they got to the fulfillment of these events, the more intensely Jesus would become in how he taught or tried to inform them of the reality of what he was saying. Finally, coming to his most effective teaching method, a demonstration of the kingdom of God in reference to the subject matter in discussion. For instance, if he wanted to teach them healing, he would heal the sick. If he wanted to teach them deliverance ministry, he would cast out demons. If he wanted to teach on the faithfulness of God, he'd grab a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish and feed five or 6,000 people. Or maybe he'd say, oh, go home, your servant's healed because I just said it. He would consistently demonstrate the kingdom. As the apostle Paul later states to the Thessalonian church, our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Jesus taught along those lines. So again, this week I want to read to you an extended section of scripture, an account in the Gospel of John of Jesus' greatest teaching on resurrection life. resurrection life that was resident in him before he ever tasted death. An attempt, I believe, on Jesus' part to infuse his disciples with the faith and hope necessary to prepare them for the first Easter Sunday and the power of the resurrection. Because without the resurrection, there's no hope. Without the resurrection, there's no faith. Paul said to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15, 12, Now if Christ be proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain. Vain means empty, lacking life, and worthless. So here is Jesus' practical lesson on resurrection life. This is a little bit of a read, but I think you'll enjoy it. John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. 
But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had been already in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it, and Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips 
and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to enliven these scriptures to us, to divinely enable us to hear and understand what you are saying to the church today. Lord, give us real-life application for the lives that we live, for the situations that we are in, for all that we face, O God. Bring truth to us, we ask in Jesus' name. So I don't know if it hit you the way that it hit me, but it seems like the first part of the story is completely out of character for Jesus. I'll refresh that for you. A certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place he was. Doesn't that sound like a contradiction of terms? I mean, we say things all the time about the love of Jesus and the healing compassion of Jesus, but here it almost seems like if Jesus loves you and you get sick, you might be in trouble. Then there is what appeared to be the contradiction of statements by Jesus. In verse 4, Jesus heard it. He said, this illness does not lead to death. But by the time we reach Verse 14, Jesus says, Lazarus has died. So what's going on here? Which one is it? Does he live or is he dead? The answer to that is C, all of the above. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus is in a high-level teaching mode. And he is pushing all of the envelopes to get the message and the power of the resurrection embedded into the hearts and minds of those he loves, and that takes really extreme measures. Verse 17, it says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He had been dead Four days. Did you hear that? Four days. That is one day more than what he had stated for his own resurrection. This is going beyond what he had projected for his own life. Remember, the Son of Man will be three days in the grave. So again, we see that Jesus is pushing the envelope to emphasize the power of the resurrection that is already at work before the resurrection of the Son of Man takes place on Easter Sunday. I am the resurrection. 
He is the life. This would also explain his decision to not come when he got the news that Lazarus was simply sick. Listen to this first conversation when he arrives on the scene, beginning in verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Did you see that? Did you catch that? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. No, Martha, you're missing it. Like all of us so often miss the power of his presence. It isn't that he is coming into the world or even that he will come again. Don't you know what? how much of the church is stuck on the idea of the rapture? Of what's going to happen and they're missing everything that could be happening in their lives because they keep projecting that Jesus is going to come and when he comes then everything will be good and he can't be good in their lives because they're so far in the future they're missing the now Jesus that wants to live in and through us. fact of the matter is, he's already here. That in him, all the promises of God are yes and amen. They are resident in him, and all of our hopes can be realized in him now. Check this out. Verse 32. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, here it is again, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Now, why is Jesus deeply moved and greatly troubled? Because they weren't getting it. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, I know you can heal the sick. If you had only been here then... But Jesus is not in, if you had only been here, God. No, he is the I am, the present in time of trouble kind of God, even when the trouble goes so far beyond our scope of understanding and comes crashing against our faith to test how deep it really runs. His response, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, Come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, again, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man 
also have kept this man from dying. There it is again, that lack of faith limitation they keep trying to apply to Jesus. Couldn't you have kept him from dying? Looks like too little too late, Jesus. As if death was the end of all possibilities for the one who came to give us life and life more abundant. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Now at this point, what I want to do is, rather than go through all of the dialogue, I just want to give you Jesus' words alone. As he responds to this situation, as he's responding up against death, up against unbelief, up against non-responsive disciples, and an accusatory crowd. Here's Jesus' response. Take away the stone. Take away the stone. I think about the promise in Ezekiel of a new covenant. The Lord said, I will take away your stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. Take away the stone. Did I not tell you, if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Take away the stone. Do you believe? Do you really believe? Or are you putting limitations on Jesus just as they were putting limitations on Jesus? Oh, oh! if you had just come sooner, if you had only answered my prayer. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around me, that they may believe that you sent me. Lazarus, come out. Come out. Unbind him and let him go. Dear you, I want to say to you from the Lord, they've bound you up. They've wrapped you up with words and accusations. Yo, if you had only done it different, if you had only done it right, if you hadn't done this and you haven't done that, it would have been okay. You would, have, would not have ended up in the cave of despair that you're in today. But I want to tell you, the Lord is saying, come out and get unbound, and he's going to set you free. Those accusations, he's unwrapped. I can just see the spirit. You know, I wish I could grab a hold of what I see and just pull it and send you spinning like a top. Because he's going to set you free with that kind of energy. He's got so much in store for you, dear. You just hold on. You just hold on. He is going to be really present in the recovery of this for you. He has heard everything you've said to him. And he's doing what needs to be done to give you the answer that will bless your life. Hang in there. The stone's being rolled away. You're going to be unbound and set free. In Jesus' name. So 
So what I see here and what I see often in the life of Jesus as the kingdom begins to break in on the affairs of men, he begins to demonstrate the power of the kingdom. He heals the sick, he raises the dead, he sets the captives free, he drives out the demonic. He draws people close to himself. As the power of the resurrection began to break in, it was inevitable that he would demonstrate it, that he would raise the dead. A week ago, we got a report Robbie Dawkins, many of you know who Robbie Dawkins is. You've watched any of the videos we've shown over the last year. Was preaching in Leeds, England. And as he got into the pulpit and began to share, he looked down to the back and he saw this man draw his arms in like this fetally and his head twist and his tongue fall out and he began to foam. And the guy's mother said, my son is dying, he's dying. And he had had a stroke a couple of years before in the same type of response. So Robbie and a doctor ran down to the guy who was on the floor and Robbie began to rebuke the spirit of infirmity and he said it just got worse. The guy turned blue and then he turned purple and then he turned black and he went into a death gurgle and stopped breathing and the doctor took a check and he said, he's gone. So Robbie <laughs> switched gears and rebuked death. And the guy went, <gasps> and came back to life and stood up, healed. Now, I don't think that's coincidence. I think the Lord is teaching us something. Kingdom of God is at hand. Resurrection power is at hand. If you believe, if you believe, didn't I tell you you'd see the glory of God? The week before, Heidi Baker in uh, South Africa, Mozambique area, preaching the gospel, and a woman came forward to receive Christ. She gave her heart to Christ and then told Heidi her story. She had been married to a highly physic physically abusive man who used to beat her on a regular basis, and um, he died that day. So she came to the crusade, and she got saved, and she thought, I'm free now. You know, I got rid of him. I got Jesus, and Heidi said, you got to forgive him. So she didn't want him, but she did. And when she did, the guy woke up from the dead. Uh, I, this is documented. This isn't just a story. This is documented. It's on, it's on video. She's got the full testimony of the husband and the wife standing side by side, completely united in Christ. Kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is teaching the church how to be prepared for Easter. He wants to break in on our lives. 
Now, he's going to ask you to do something today. Maybe he's going to ask you to take away the stone. I don't know what that stone is. Maybe you're hiding behind something. Maybe something has you locked in to a cave of despair. I don't know, but he does. Maybe he's going to ask you to believe so that you can really see the glory of God. Maybe he wants to unbind you and set you free. You know, every time I read that, I get this image of you know, a, a skate key in someone's back, and he's cranking them up, you know? I'm going to wind them up and set them free. I think he wants to do that to us. I think he wants to wind us up and get us out of the walls of this cave that we've created and we call the church and get the church out there in the power of the resurrection. Worship at Walmart, right? <laughs> so this is what we're going to do today. I'm going to pray and I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to begin to speak into our lives. We're going to have some uh, pastors and elders up here and uh, any of the School of Kingdom Ministry who wants to come and pray up front here. And then we're going to invite you to come and receive prayer. Listen to the Holy Spirit. What's he want to do? Are you hidden away in a cave? Has your heart become hard? Do you need the stone rolled away? Are you in unbelief? unbelief? Have you, do you keep assigning to Jesus? Yo, if you had only done this, if you only had done that, if you had just been here, it would have been different. You know, you can't assign limitations to the living God. need to get unwrapped from that. So Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come and begin to move among the hearts of your people here. Speak to us, O God, and show us the truth. Teach us concerning resurrection power the power released from the tomb when you raised from the dead. When the earth shook, oh God, men trembled and the women rejoiced. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for each one who's hidden away in a cave today maybe through hurt or oppression or abuse or, Lord, just feeling all dead inside. Lord, I ask you to roll away the stone over their hearts today and call their name that they might come out, that they might be unwrapped and set free. Lord, for those who have Lord, petitioned you in prayer and felt like you've not heard, Lord, and suffer uh, unbelief that they ascribe back to you if you had only, if you had only. Lord, I ask you to touch them. Speak to their hearts today. Show them, O oh God, the glory of your presence 
that they would know you have not left them, you have not forsaken them. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do.